Great. We are going to read um, a small part of the Palm Sunday story from Luke 19. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 19, uh, we're going to read the verses 37 to 42. And then our, uh, we're going to read also from Hebrews. We've been doing a, uh, a, our Lent series in relation to the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews explains that Jesus is the greatest. And so we also have our visual here where the tendency in our lives is to make Jesus smaller until he almost disappears. But we in faith want to make Jesus bigger greater. And so this morning we are looking at Jesus who offers us the greatest sacrifice as he comes as the Lamb of God. And this is the greatest sacrifice that he is making. And he calls us then to also sacrifice ourselves in response, in service, like the mission team, to go out in his name. So Jesus coming as the King He is here to offer the greatest sacrifice, Palm Sunday. Now, I'm just going to read the story of Palm Sunday. It begins there in Luke 19 at verse 28, where Jesus does uh, ask about the colt, and he comes humbly as a servant, riding on the colt into Jerusalem. Just picking up the account at verse 37 of Luke 19, when he came near... Uh, that is, uh, towards Jerusalem, where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, then there's a whole crowd of disciples who began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And then as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. So kind of an odd response of Jesus. He wept over it. And he said, if even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And so then... He, he has a, a word of prophecy, and then in verse 45, he enters the temple courts, and then he uh, drives out those who were buying and selling there. And he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer. We looked at that last Sunday, our prayer service. God's house will be a house of prayer. So that's how the account ends, with Jesus entering the temple and uh, confronting those who are, are selling. And we'll, we'll think about that. We'll look at that. We also want to read from Hebrews 8, where it says in verse 3, in terms of the high priest, Hebrews 8, verse 3 to 6, every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. So that's what's in view here, the sacrifice of Jesus. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. So Jesus, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there were already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at the sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. 
This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build a tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is greater, is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old since the new covenant is established on better promises. So it speaks of Jesus as a greater priest, a greater high priest. And then Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 15, speak of him as a sacrifice. It says in Hebrews 9, verse 11, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them, make them clean so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offers himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So we're looking at Jesus as high priest, Jesus as sacrifice, and in his sacrifice we become too saved and called to serve him. People of God, especially our mission team this morning, it's good. It's good to have the commissioning here on Palm Sunday and, and just to think through that story of Palm Sunday in relation to what God is saying to you and to all of us in terms of his mission. As we hear the story this morning uh, in Luke 19, verse 41, generally that, that, that whole picture of Palm Sunday is the joy, the gladness, but what does it say? It says in Luke 19, verse 41, uh, did you say there, Jesus is crying. Jesus is crying on Palm Sunday. Why is Jesus crying? To understand, we need to know the, the, the details of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the first day in the week-long celebration of Passover. So in Israel at that time, people are gathered here in and around Jerusalem to celebrate for a full week what God has done. It's a, it's a command on the people. They are supposed to come and remember what God has done in this Passover celebration. Now, this day, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, the first day is the day on which every family has to choose a Passover lamb. So the feast is going to stretch for six days, seven days. On the sixth day, the Passover lamb is going to be killed. But on the first day, the people are required to buy the lamb, to choose the lamb. So that's vital to understand what's going on here. The lamb that would be sacrificed on the sixth day had to be officially certified by the priest, by the chief priest, by the priest in the temple, as a lamb that was perfect, 
as a lamb that could be offered. It had to be a lamb that was unblemished. It couldn't be blind or lame or sick, something just taken from the flock uh, you wanted to get rid of anyway. It had to be the best, the most perfect in every way. And so the, the temple authorities would have certified lambs for sale, approved as perfect in every way to be offered as sacrifice. Now, you could take a lamb from home. There were many farm families, and they would have lambs, and they would then, even from their flock, pick the very best, because they wanted to give their very best to God. But what had developed in the temple ritual, in the routine, was that the priest, the high priest, had become corrupt. And they, they would not accept or approve a lamb that you brought from home. They would say, no, you have to buy one from us. And so they would be making lots of money on this day, this Palm Sunday day. This would be the day everybody had to buy a lamb, and pretty much everybody had to buy a lamb from them. They had a monopoly, and they were simply taking advantage of the people, not sincerely serving them. The people had no choice, but they had to pay a high price for a lamb that was approved for the sacrifice. And that's why, at the end of the Palm Sunday story, after Jesus has gone in, then he goes and confronts those crooks. And he turns over the tables and he says, you are not serving God correctly. And so there's a real sense of how are we to serve God? And even the mission team, how are we to serve him? How are we to, to respond to what he has done? And, and to serve him truly and, and thankfully and humbly and not, not greedy and, and for ourselves. So that's already in view. Now let me just highlight for you just for a moment what the Passover is. The Passover celebration in Egypt Long ago, the story, you can read about it in Exodus, God saved his people. And he did that through the blood of a lamb. The people were, were their slaves in Egypt, and God had sent nine plagues already to get Pharaoh to set them free. And the, the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And in order for God's people to be saved, in order for the homes of God's people to be spared the death of the firstborn, they were required to take a lamb and to put the blood on the doorposts of the houses. And then the angel of death would pass over. Pass over that house. That house was protected. That house was saved. By the blood of the Lamb. And that is what was being remembered. God saving his people that they were saved from death. And also in the background at the very same time, after that last plague, Pharaoh finally agreed to let the people go. And so not only were the people saved from death, they were set free. Saved from sin, set free from slavery. 
And so the power of God and the protection of God was on display, and it was a, a yearly requirement that the people would gather for Passover, that they would choose a lamb, that they would remember God's saving work in their lives. This is what they were to remember. And at the center was a perfect, sinless lamb that gave its life to save the people, to set them free. That's the center. There is a perfect, sinless lamb. And you need to choose that lamb. Now Jesus comes, riding into Jerusalem on the first day of the feast. And people are choosing their lamb. And Jesus is saying, choose me. That's what he's saying. Choose me. When John the Baptist first sees Jesus, when John the Baptist first encounters Jesus, this is what he says. John 1, verse 29. See the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Choose me, Jesus is saying, as your Lamb. Choose me to save you from the slavery of sin and death. Jesus is offering himself the greatest sacrifice, but he is sad, he is crying. He is crying because many, many, many people don't, and the people here won't choose him. They will deny him, they will reject him, and they will crucify him, and they will be lost in their sin. And that's the sadness, the sadness that Jesus is expressing as he looks out on this day and, and he sees people who are looking for a different kind of savior, a different kind of king, someone who can help them for a little while, someone who might become the king of Jerusalem for a little while, but, but they don't see overall their deep need for a savior and being made right with God and they will deny God's gracious gift of his son. Jesus is offering himself as the lamb. And he's trying to make that clear to them. He's trying to make that clear to the people, even as he comes on the donkey, just humbly offering himself. And he also makes it clear in another way. I want just to have you realize this too. Palm Sunday, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a walled city. You can't just come in from the south along Highway 2 or, or in off Highway 12 or through, through Wolf Creek Drive. You can't just come into Jerusalem anyway. You have to come in through a particular gate, and each gate has its purpose. The gates are named that way. There is the water gate. By the water gate, outside was a spring, and you brought water into the city through the gate. It was the water gate. You had the dung gate where all the trash that's collected in the city gets taken out, thrown away. That was a particular gate. You had the fish gate where stuff from the ocean, all the fish was caught, was brought into the city and you could go there and purchase it. There was also the beautiful gate, the golden gate, the grand entrance. 
This is a picture of it. It is, it is closed up now. This is modern Jerusalem. Nobody goes in and out. But in the day, this was the gate where kings and royalty and dignity and people of influence and worldly power entered the city. And it just so happens that as you come down the Mount of Olives, it's on the east side of Jerusalem, and as you make your way to the city, the beautiful gate is on the east side. And so Jesus could come down that hill and the people are waving their branches because he is, he is making his way to the beautiful gate. He is king. He is going to be our deliverer. He is the important one. And he comes with political power and authority and, and he is going to make his way in through this gate and he's going to take over Jerusalem and get rid of those Romans. That's what the people are thinking. But that's not what Jesus is saying. And if you go to Jerusalem, if you see down the Mount of Olives, you can go down and, and the roads are there and the road to the beautiful gate is there. But there's another, there's a turn off just a little, little before, a little further north, a little higher on the hill. And if you turn off there and you go just in, one little gate, it's just a little bit over, not far out of the way at all. And that's the gate Jesus goes in. And that's the sheep gate. There was a sheep gate where the sheep were brought in who would be sacrificed. And that's what Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God. And he's making it plain to them. He is showing them in all that he's doing, all that he's saying, this is who I am. Choose me, not, not as, as a temporary earthly king, but choose me as the Lord of all, the one who can truly save you from sin, from death. Jesus is declaring himself that sacrifice. Jesus enters into that that place, and then he, he confronts the false business of selling lambs for profit, and he comes offering himself as the true lamb of God, offering himself freely as the sacrifice for sin. What he is doing is so much greater than people can imagine, though it's, it's right there in the Passover remembrance. A lamb will be sacrificed to save you, Choose the Lamb who can truly save you. And that's what, that's what Hebrews 8 and 9 are trying to also get across, trying to uh, remind the people the audience of the letter of Hebrews was a strong Jewish audience who knew all about the Passover, who knew about the gates, who knew about the lambs. They knew all about this stuff. And the author of Hebrews is saying to them, Jesus, in verse eight, chapter 8, Jesus is not one of those corrupt high priests who is out to take advantage of you and get your money. He is the true high priest who will offer sacrifice to forgive your sins. And then Hebrews 9, he is in fact the lamb itself. The perfect lamb who offers himself. He as high priest offers himself as a lamb. It would be as graphic as the high priest 
taking a lamb to the altar and then getting on the altar himself, giving his own life for the life of the sinner. So that's the picture. Jesus offering his blood and that, that we put the blood on our lives, on our houses, on our, whole, our souls, and we are saved from death. His sacrifice is what sets us free. So the initial question, the question we have, the question the mission team brings to people as well, is do you choose him as your Passover lamb, as the lamb of God who saves you from your sins? That's where it starts. Do you choose him? Today, again, we are asked, do you choose him? Jesus says, here I am. I am making the greatest sacrifice for you. Choose me. And then in response, when we do, we are set free to serve him. And I think we see that so beautifully today in the mission team as they stand here in front of us this morning. Uh, What do you see? You see Jesus coming as the greatest sacrifice. And our response is is to live in response, self-sacrificially. And and you have it with the students here too and those who are, are taking part. They are giving of themselves in this effort. All the work to raise money and chicken picking and the dinner and everything else, all of those things, as well as taking the time, like the, the students could have been working over the break, making something for themselves, there is a giving of ourselves, making sacrifices, seeking to help those who have so much less. And so that's very evident in response to, to who Jesus is. Jesus is our Savior. He sacrificed himself for us, and we sacrifice ourselves to serve others. Also, I think the leaders, the leaders who are going along, taking the time, making a sacrifice as well, family situation, leaving behind the different stresses and strains of the trip itself, the leaders are making a significant sacrifice, yet we had no problem finding leaders. In fact, we had to turn people away. And we had no problem finding students after it got rolling. It took a little bit just to get it rolling. But then, all of a sudden, we had 20. What is that? That's that's a response to who Jesus is. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And choosing him means choosing to serve him even as he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this morning, this Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus offering himself as the Lamb of God, making the greatest sacrifice for us. And then in response to that, we offer ourselves to others. And for us too here, staying here, serving here, living here in Lacombe, how can we continue to serve our Lord and Savior? just joyfully, thankfully, in what he has done for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we thank you for sending your Son. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to be our Savior. We choose you again today. May each one here reaffirm in love and commitment to you as we remember your caring sacrifice for our sin. 
We pray that you would work in the team and in all of us, that, that response to what you have done, and that we would seek to work out your love for us and our love for our neighbor near and far. We pray, too, that you would just give us eyes to actually see our neighbors in need and to open ourselves to the real need, the struggles, the uncertainties, the hopelessness that so many people experience, that we, too, would die a little to ourselves and our wants and our expectations so that we might live in the joy, in the new life, in relation to you who call us to serve you in love and to live for you each day. Continue to watch over us and work through us, we pray. Amen.